Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Now, wait a minute, Eve. I seem to recall that this house has some connection with the Revolutionary War. There, there, are, there are no patches on the elbows of, of this jacket, thankfully. I mean, didn't George Washington sleep here once? This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Before, and that means it's Nerder, she wrote. Joining me as always, my main man, Mo DeKeel. What's up, Mo? Not a whole lot, And, of course, we've got Seth Part now, looking sharp as ever. Nice little suit action going on today. Please, just a jacket. We don't, we don't go the full suit anymore. Is this in celebration of the paperback of the mid-range theory, which you can get at bookstores now? Being out on the shelf? Uh, it, it is not. I am getting some some uh, some headshots taken today, so you know, I had to look the part. Pretend to be professional for a day. All right. I don't. I don't know why we're low energy right yeah. now, guys. Like this is week two. Oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be fine. But it's Seth, <laughs> Seth just trying to look like an author. Like let's just be honest. There are there are no patches on the elbows of of this jacket, thankfully. Yeah, and you're no plaid uh, uh, underneath either. Yeah. Okay. Um, Guys, uh, week two of the season, having a good time, good start to the season, and uh, want to jump right in. It's, of course, Halloween weekend. This is our special Halloween episode. It's going to be really scary. A lot of jump scares in this episode. Uh, but we're going to start the show like we start every show with our favorite things. And, guys, I have a little bit of a scary story to tell you. Okay, here you go. It was a dark and stormy, actually, it wasn't dark and stormy, it was Las Vegas. There was a monster in the gym, he's seven feet, six inches tall, Victor Wimanyama. The race to tank for Victor Wimanyama has gone off the rails early in the season, and this is my favorite thing. Utah just can't lose, of course, they lost one game, to the Houston Rockets. San Antonio, man, if you put LeBron James on the Spurs... They'd be a top six team, maybe. What is going on with the tanking teams, guys? My favorite thing is that the tanking teams are too good to tank right now. This is a lot of fun. I, I'm I'm really enjoying this. It seems like it's a continuation of, of something that we've talked about the last few years. There aren't many bad coaches in the league. And when you when you have bad teams that are well coached, they can win games. I mean, Dave, you totally forgot about one tanking team. The Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot their picks. Who are well coached, by the way. I, I think that Darvin Ham has done a good job coaching that defense. You just don't have the pieces on the offense. So, yeah, we'll throw them in there. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Nah, just obviously kidding around because they don't have their pick. But, yes, <laughs> right. this is what we've talked about in the league Sorry. for a while. Is not just the coaching level has gone up, but the talent level across the the league has gone up. There's not a lot of nights you can walk in and just think like, we could take it easy tonight. There's not a lot of teams you can do that with. It'll change as we get more into the season. He does not like them, Sam, I am. He doesn't like but even he now, doesn't Orlando's like putting up a big fight in games, even though they haven't won a game. You know, Detroit's putting up a fight in a lot of games and not winning a lot. But like, there's a lot of good stuff we're watching from these young teams. I think it's a pretty... uh Pretty exciting stuff to watch as we're going through. Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets are winning games that they have no business being in. 
you know, Dennis Smith Jr. being a hero in a game just shouldn't have happened in in 2022, Seth. So um, is is tanking solved? Have we have we solved tanking because of general apathy by half the league who are just waiting for the, the calendar to flip over to Christmas? I mean, I think that there's not a lot of reason to need to start the season at the bottom, given the, the, the flattened lottery odds. I think there's there's OK, we want an extra game in October. OK, well. We have plenty of time for guys to have tendonitis and flu-like symptoms and and so on and so forth. Hip contusions. Hip contusions, yeah. Um, Hip contusions. Yeah, no. On the other hand, though, I think I like the point we've made many times before is, as you say, the overall talent in the league. And this ties into, you know, the discussion of expansion. Uh, at times, you've worried about expansion diluting the talent pool. There's plenty of NBA players, and we could easily support two more rotations worth. Of, of teams and that's I think that's that's the lesson more than anything yeah I mean there's at least 30 guys floating around that that are NBA level talent that are playing overseas they're playing in the G League I mean something like half the league now has G League experience which just tells you about the depth of the league to me um I, I don't know I, I I love that that we're getting good stories from some of these teams that we all expected to just be awful I mean Lowry Markinen has been fantastic and it started in Eurobasket, right we got to see what what he actually is as a player he spent all summer in the weight room and it really does show uh i don't know if he's gonna finish the season in utah because obviously their organizational goals are are about getting a a high draft pick this year and i think that he directly will, will prevent them from doing that necessarily being in that top three like i think he's just too good of a player by himself also that roster is not bad uh really not bad and uh, it's just this has been a fun early season story for me to watch. I always watch these tanking teams early because it's going to get sad in the middle of the year. And uh, I want to see Colin Sexton out there doing fun stuff while it, the games at least appear to matter for, for the Utah Jazz. On some level, uh, you know who, who Utah makes me sad for? Mark Daniel. Because I think that I think from what we've seen of him, he's a pretty good coach. Um, Will Hardy has certainly had a, a great start to his coaching career, um, you know, a weekend. Um, but it seems like one of them has, has, has been able to deploy his pieces and the other hasn't. And I just, I, I wish that, that, you know, he had, you know, some of it's bad luck. Some of it is creativity with the injury report. I just wish we would. You know, we, I, I don't want to belabor this point because it's something that Mo gets in trouble for. But um, <laughs> All the yeah. I, I'm not even making the it, point I'm going to get in yeah. trouble for this one. Um, so thanks, Seth. So, yeah, I think that's that. Yeah, Mark Dagnall is kind of in this Brett Brown <laughs> situation uh, to a certain degree, right? I, I, I mean, an organization setting fire to a coach's career is, is, is disappointing. And when it's a, a, a guy that we think could be a pretty good coach, it sucks. And I think that's the situation that he's in. Uh, the the one counterpoint I'd say, Seth, is let's see what it looks like for Will Hardy as Danny starts going like, no, no, winning too many games, and and let me just make sure we destroy the roster completely uh, before we we get there in 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 that sense. But yeah, I mean, this is the one. This is the downside to me with teams that go in with we're definitely going to tank, and we're bringing in a new head coach, and and basically it becomes a situation where they become very difficult to hire again. 
when you look at the the, the scenario, when you go like, man, look at his career win- record and things like that. And nobody ever really looks at the nuance behind it of like, he did what he was supposed to do for the organization, but it didn't work out for him. And I think that's the, uh, that's the challenging thing for teams that are tanking and for coaches taking like, those. Can jobs. Steven Silas coach? I, I don't know. I, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, they, that, like they, can we say that he, like, there's no way you can say Houston has underperformed their talent and it's, and they don't have a roster that, okay, you know, that you can be bad and, and sort of make sense. Like, I don't think Kelly Olenek is like a championship level player, but he's a guy who you can p- play NBA basketball with. And so we're kind of, and if you, you know, you catch a team sleeping, Kelly Olenek is going to destroy you. And he's done it a couple times this year already. Um, hey, I thought it was going to have, have a heart attack when he hit that flip shot. Uh, to, <laughs> that was the ugliest game winner I've ever seen. It was so seen. great. It was such a perfect Kelly Olynyk shot. I mean, Utah's uh, been just wildly entertaining. Like, the, let's the, the other fun thing is is they're they're really fun to watch. They're fun and to the watch. Point, the, they're uh, fun to watch because he has he has seven eight competent NBA players. The fact that he has them doing there's about five wins a season for a team that just consistently does stuff like get into their offense early, you know, and Utah get into their offense early, run stuff with continuity, have multiple playmakers on the floor. Utah's doing all that. And it's credit to Will Hardy, but I, but like you can't be running, you know, a a bunch of like, you know, continuity DHO shit with like Kevin Porter Jr. And Jalen Green and Jabari Smith. Like that's just, that that's just not going to happen. Yeah, Utah has some guys that know how to play. Yeah. Yeah. They have competent players. And just a, a, a young coach I want to highlight that's on a tanking team but still coaching pretty well, Jamal Mosley mm-hmm. in, in Orlando. Right? And they're putting and they're trying to put a roster around that team and, and things like that. I like what he's doing with Franz Wagner and Paolo Banchero. I think they're having a fun, uh, a, a good thing there. I think there's a way to kind of get that stuff going. We'll see how it pans out for him in the long run because that's the other thing too you miss out on the lottery and now you're in a tough situation you know like Utah crushes their roster they end up with the fourth pick in the draft instead of Webamiyama or Scoo Anderson and then they're in a tough tough scenario I do want to go to my favorite thing one word John that dude is electric and we've known this for years he started out the season completely on fire right just put it to you this way averaging 35.3 points a game i get it it's just four games shooting 60 percent from three on five attempts a night again just four games i expect that number to go down he's just 60 percent from three all season <laughs> yeah, we that's quit. gonna be unbelievable it's done it's amazing it's all over but you know averaging seven assists and at least two or three highlights a game and I, and, and, and I don't mean just like, oh, a dunk or something. It's like a dunk where it's like, oh, my God, how did he do it? John Morant is a killer. And I mean that with, with, you know, as much compliment as I can give. Like every single game he plays, he's trying to wreck somebody's world. Every single game, uh, blocking shots like he loves to come up and pin, you know, pin that block on the on the chase down uh, on the glass. And obviously this guy used to be the king of the missed huge dunk. And now it seems like he's getting all of these. So I don't know if he can jump higher now or if he's just gotten better at, at maybe maybe guys because of his reputation, guys don't go up as hard. 
And so he's he's catching more of these dunks. But this dude is, um, I don't know. He's something else. Is he going to win MVP if they're top four? Like, if they're top four, because it would be because of him. Like, Jaron's going to be out. He's probably going to miss another 10, maybe 15 games. And their defense has not been good to start the season. But Ja has been stirring the drink. It's an interesting question. I hadn't, like, I, because we'd sort of, with with some of the injuries, we'd sort of written them off as a home court team a little bit. Not saying that they aren't. Yeah. Mostly from a record standpoint. Um, not from right. a, like, is this one of the top four teams in the West, maybe, with their guys. Um, that's an interesting question. I want to make a the West might have five top four teams. Like it's, I mean, tears, baby, you know, the tears. Warriors being, yeah, that's right. The Warriors being, oh, like, kind of head above everybody else. But I, I do think, I don't know. I, I slept on Memphis a little bit. Can I, can I make a, a, a cross sport athletic comparison that, that that came to me watching? No, uh, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. Yeah, it's the way he gets into. Well, the it's paint. not just that. It's, it's the, the you shouldn't be able to change direction at that angle and speed. There's there's three times a game where he'll be sprinting and suddenly without like turning his body, like move like back into the left and then bounce forward again. It's just like that. That's, your ankles and knees and should not left. be able to do that. Back and to the left. I have I have back the answer for you, Seth. I know why left. he does it. It's witchcraft. That's it. That's it's it. It's a Halloween episode. There's nothing That's else it. we can really talk. It's 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 something like it's just. You know what he is? He's a dude I will put money down to go watch. There's not a lot of guys in the NBA who I'm going to say I'm going to put money down, big money down to go watch. He's, yeah, I mean, that, that guy is big box office. And, and you know, I saw something the other day. Memphis had some really cheap tickets. And people were making fun of that. Uh, hold on. I, I think that an organization making a commitment to have cheap tickets to see John Morant, that's that's good business. Because those John Morant tickets are the price is going to go up. I don't care if they're in Memphis or not, but the price is going up. Also, from a standpoint of a viewer mostly on TV, um, this is something that I think you know. Watching, for example, like games in the bubble or games, Premiership games in, in empty stadiums and stuff like that, really drives home how much the crowd adds to the experience and and. Uh, you know, to to use a, a great Sam Cassell quote from when he was in college, with if the tickets just stay stupid expensive, you get a bit of a wine and cheese crowd. And I want to contrast that with my favorite thing of the week, which is how just live the Pelicans crowd has been at home this year. Now, they've had close games. They're a good team. They're an exciting team. So that's helped. But still, you don't you don't get that kind of. Like, is it a gumbo crowd? Yeah. Like, is it a beignet crowd? Like, know. what it's are we a, talking yeah. about? Is it etouffee? Like, what 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 kind of food are we operating with in in New Orleans sure. here? <laughs> no, the crowd is great because the team is great. You know, th- that's a, the the Pelicans have so much energy. Another team with a young coach, you know, Willie Green has done a great job there, and you know, they won a game that they should have lost without uh, Brandon Ingram and, and Zion. Against a good team. They they should have. And Herb Jones, that's right. They're th- three maybe most key players. Um, not counting, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, who's in that mix somewhere. Well, I mean, we've got to talk. I mean, CJ McCollum's pretty good. Well, that's true. God, they CJ, have too CJ many guys. Pretty- they're, they're too good. They're, no, they're, they're, they're actually, you got to give a hat tip to David Griffin, who took a ton yes. of shit, uh, you, you know, over the 
past 18 months. Remember, there were people that thinking like Zion's going to take the qualifying offer and then leave, which nobody ever really believed. But still, like there's there was all of this stuff. It's such a massive difference in that stuff. And they just draft so well. The Herb Jones, Trey Murphy coming in and hitting every shot. He still hasn't missed. I'm sorry. He just still hasn't missed a shot. Um, he, the rolling stuff that they have with everything that they've done, you know, finding up guys like Alvarado. Alvarado, you know, it's, it's Larry Nance, who's been a perfect uh, sort of connecting big for them. Right. Also, they're short the Lakers future, which. Well, I mean, they might they might they might make the playoffs. And get the number one pick in the draft if, the, if things keep going the way it's going for the Lakers. Like, that's that's the most interesting thing, right? Could Zion and Webb and Yama play together will be the whole debate. Um, it, but everything that they have, like, even when guys are out of the lineups, they play so goddamn hard, you know? And there's no quit in them. They keep coming at you all night long. Like, this team is, is it, it's so much fun to watch, even without Zion, just because they're going. If there was a team, if you asked me to pick a team that would surprise us and make the conference finals, you know, like Atlanta did, where, you know, a little bit of uh, opportunity presented to Dallas did, I would say the Pelicans could be poised to do that because of how good their defense is. And and then Zion is just, he's just a ridiculous wild card. A guy you don't have to run any offense for that could get you, you know, 30 a game. And obviously with his rebounding. Um, yeah, the Pelicans are great, and the crowd does make those games a lot of fun. I, I love what is it, Smoothie King Center? I gotta go. I, I gotta go to New Orleans for a game. I, I, you know, I'm gonna eat some food, go down to the Smoothie King Center, and uh, and, and catch a game. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, and then after that, got a special Halloween game we're gonna play, Spooky or Spooked. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. Okay, guys, it's Halloween. And so we've branded everything, you know, all of our conversational hooks with little Halloween themes. And I want to ask you guys if this team is spooky or if they should be spooked. And I want to start with the Philadelphia 76ers. They are currently dead last in pace. They look lackadaisical. They look, I mean, I don't know what's happening, Mo. Um, we really thought this team was going to come out of the gates and at least score points, but they're not doing that either. I mean, they, they've looked really flat to start the season and everything that they've done. Joel Embiid's first two games weren't very good. He's picked it up since then, scoring a ton. But they're a team, I think, that they don't know the roles 
of what they need to do offensively. They don't have a better under, they don't have the full understanding of how they should play. You know, they got a bunch of great signings. Everybody was lauding them for how great the offseason was. And it was a good offseason, good pickups. But now you got to make it work. You can give me the best ingredients in the world, but if I'm a bad chef, I'm going to botch it up. And I think they're in a situation now where they got to figure all of this out. Now, Seth, is this team going to be spooky? Or should they be spooked? So remember what I said earlier about like the Jazz doing the things that let you pick up those extra wins? Uh, that's just a huge contrast with the Sixers. Like, you know, Utah gets into their offense early. They move off the ball. They, they, they have synergy between players, and Philly has none of that. Now, people have pointed out, and rightly so, that like are, their defense is worse than their offense right now. But I think if you're starting with a, a hardened maxi backcourt and a center who has to play drop, you're, you know. You're not going to have a good defense. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Sorry. You're, there, there, there's a ceiling on how good you can be defensively, so you have to be elite offensively. And they can be good offensively if it's your turn, my turn, his turn. They can't be elite. And they're still through however many games it is now – there's just so little synergistic involvement between three guys who can all bend the defense. And and it's, and the weird thing is, it's not like it's even, you know, when it was Ben Simmons and Embiid, okay, there's some, you got to be, have some creativity to, to bring the best out of everyone. This should be a little more straightforward. And it's just, it's just not, it's just, it's, it's a little too much hardened ball. But even you know, and even when the ball gets into Embiid, it's kind of slow and labored. And you know, Tobias Harris just ends up just standing in the corner. And like, why do you have Tobias Harris if you're just going to stand him in the corner? Well, and also Embiid is just not it, Embiid is not the defensive player that his reputation is. Not in the regular season. I don't think he was last year, I, and he I, hasn't I, been so far this year. I don't agree with that. I, I I think this year he hasn't been that guy, but I think he's been solid defensively throughout his career. I don't think it's even in drop coverage and things like that. But the, but also part of that is look at the wings he had playing around him. He had Ben Simmons. He had Matisse Thybulle. Like th- those guys allow you to play drop coverage and allow you in that. Now it's you're in a situation where you're not having those guys. Now it's James Harden coming off of a screen, coming over the top. Good luck. It's Tyrese Maxey. Good luck. You're not, it's it's not that easy. You know, they're barely playing thigh ball. So like, of course their defense is going to be bad, but you got to combat that with your offense. And the problem is they're, they're getting no offensive rebounds and they're giving up a shit ton in transition. And some of, most of it's off live ball turnovers. I don't know what the number is, but it's just, I, from what I've seen, every, just every time a live ball turnover happens, nobody gets back and they get crushed there in transition. I mean, that's the, the game right there. And I think, in, in that sense, I think offensively, they need to figure out how to make this whole thing work. I was never into this idea of Harden becoming pairing up with Embiid, even though they have the best pick and roll, just because I felt like at a certain point, Harden's just going to dribble the air out of the ball, and we're seeing that a ton. And at some points, we're seeing Embiid do it in the post, and it's not working. This is just not good synergy between these guys, and I don't know. It's early as hell, and we should preface that. Maybe they need 20 games to figure this thing out. But for the expectations that they have at the championship, they're expecting a championship. 
it's they are not at all at that level and they don't look like and it. and maybe this list that we're going through is about our expectations i mean i think everything is kind of affected by our expectations. We're not disappointed in teams who are, are performing poorly. If we had no expectations, it's why they asked for these exactly. And I want to move on to the next team. And we had expectations for this team because they traded for Rudy Gobert (laughs) guys are the Minnesota Timberwolves going to eventually be spooky or should they be spooked by how ill fitting this roster feels through five games? I know again, it's five games, but there's it's a little bit clunkier than I think any of us anticipated. Popeye's notwithstanding. I both. I think they're they they're still like Anthony Edwards hasn't been great to start the year. He'll be better. Carl Anthony Towns hasn't been great to start the year. He'll be like Jaden McDaniels hasn't really. But at the same time, like a any of the fit problems we could have imagined have already kind of reared their heads. There's a spacing problem. There's the the ball sticking problem where it's 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 Cat and Anthony Edwards, but also D'Angelo Russell. And D'Angelo Russell's not good enough to to be a to be a ball stopper like that. Um, and then defensively, I've been very disappointed. In Anthony Edwards so far this year, I think we thought that that you know okay, well, Cat's not great and Russell's bad, but with McDaniel's and Edwards, they can at least put some point of attack resistance up. And and um, was it they played? Uh, I think it was the game against Utah. It just seemed like everyone was late, and so even you know like Kelly Olynyk, uh, like not a jet, but he's downhill because whoever's guarding him is late to the closeout. Jordan Clarkson downhill because they're late um and so i i you know they they played a very aggressive style of defense last year to to force turnovers to make up for cat and delo's defensive issues and with gobert you have to play a different style and they have not adjusted to it at all yeah i just think it's i think they'll be spooky down the road but we should be spooked now just because it's it's one i think everybody just penciled in anthony edwards for a leap which we really, as and I mean that more as a media side, we need to stop. That's not how development works. We're 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 oh, the three yeah. of us. Oh yeah, yeah. This, oh, yeah. Uh, this, yeah. On, on everybody, this everybody. Case. No, no, everybody. I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. Just saying in general, we always just say, well, next year they'll be better. Another year of progression, they'll be better. Da da da. This thing's like the stock market. It's never a linear line. It goes up and down. And and Edwards might be experiencing a little bit of a step back. I think he'll pick it up as he gets going. In in everything as as the season gets going along with these guys they i'll give them more leeway than i'll give the sixers because the sixers core at least was together in february last year and and had a little playoff run this team needs needs time it's just not as plug and play as we thought it would be you bring gobert and your defense is going to be bam fixed you're ready to roll and your offense is going to be rolling because cat's going to shoot eight or nine threes a game and things like that there's going to be a little more nuance into how they're going to develop and figure these things out Seth, you said the key word there, and I think the, you mentioned the key player there, and I think this is big because he kind of skates a lot, is D'Angelo Russell. He's got to be the guy that goes for them. Like, he's got to be the guy that makes this thing work. And I'm with you. I don't think he's good enough. He's kind of just – I feel bad for him, but he's kind of destined to just be a good player on bad teams. I Like, that's just kind of what I feel like And he I is. was hopeful for him 
as a defender this season because he was not going to have any responsibilities. And I was thinking, you know, all right, man, this guy, he's, he's actually not bad as a free safety defensively. Like he makes pretty good plays on the weak side. I, I was thinking about the way that the Warriors have employed Steph Curry in their defense, you know, in the past. And, you know, you've got Gobert in there and, and Anthony Edwards and McDaniels. I'm thinking D'Angelo Russell may be able to contribute, you know, as this free safety. And it just isn't there yet, but you know, it's early. Um, it, it's it's still early in this guy's career, but I am spooked about James Wiseman, guys. Um, it isn't so much that I think that he's not a good player. He's not a good player. I think that that's pretty clear. But, Seth, do you think he fits with the Warriors at all? No. I think we have we have seen that there are talented players who can contribute that in certain environments. I mean, we, up and down, like all, all over the league, you see fit sometimes is, is more important than talent. I mean, Kelly Oubre is a decent NBA player who gave very little to the Warriors. I think for, for different positionally, but similar reasons, the Warriors are a uh, very are, are a limited structure high volume of quick decisions environment on both ends of the floor. And James Wiseman has, has, has just not played that much basketball. And so expecting like a, a, him to come on and, you know, the difference between the physical ability of him and, and Kevon Looney is stark, but the difference in like recognition and, you know, being able to play in that flow on either end is much larger. I mean, there's something like um, uh, 0.8 points per possession better with Looney on the floor than Wiseman. Not per 100 possessions, per possession, which is a just a stunning stat. Um, and you know, he, the, the, not all of that is 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 due to why. Like, there's some some three point flukiness and, and and whatever in there. But he's he is not able to play at the level of of decision making speed that Golden State asks of their players. And maybe maybe he gets there, but I don't think there's any reason to suspect that he was going to come in and be a high field player. Now if you put him in a more vanilla scheme where, you know, he can dive and dunk and play center field coverage and stuff like that, I think he could be a perfectly serviceable, you know, probably pretty good player using his his his, you know, his athleticism, his tools. He's got pretty good hands from what I've seen. Um, but I just don't, that's not the, the like Golden State doesn't play a, a Clint Capella type. And that's kind of where Wiseman's kind of skill set leads him to. And I think it's just, it's a tough fit for him. And um, he's going to end up out of their playoff rotation unless things change drastically. Or he, he should, because he'll like those minutes, they'll get just destroyed by good teams every night. If he if if it continues as we've seen, seen to start the year, I'm not I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm not ready to go that far on Wiseman just because I think, look, you mentioned Kevon Looney. It took a while for him to learn this, right? We've seen him blossom over the last few years, but he's been in the organization for a long time and getting the reps. And I think the key is we haven't seen Wiseman play a lot. The difference is, and this is this is more of a financial thing is, you're going to have to pay Wiseman coming up here pretty soon with a limited amount of uh, uh, reps and experience and, and tape to look at and going like, does he really fit in our offense and our flow of things? Part of it too is at a certain point, the Warriors are going to have to evolve and change. 
And the question is, is he going to be part of that? Because they're not. Steph can't play forever, right? At a certain point, you're going to have to be a bit of a different team. And 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 is that something that he brings to the table? I think we just got to give him more time and more reps with it because this is the, this is the thing for the Warriors in general. Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman have to take leaps this season. One of the three, at the very least, because they lost, and it's not, not talked about a lot. Otto Porter Jr. Gary Payton the second, those guys were huge for them. Draymond was not very good in the playoffs, you know, had a couple flashes in the finals and got going, but you you need those guys to pop if you're going to repeat. And I think that's an important thing there. So those guys got to get minutes all year. They got to get the reps ready for the playoffs, even if it costs some games. But I think that's going to be the important thing for the Warriors there. And I'm just, I, I, I want to give Wiseman a full season before I'm going to be, before I'm like, because he does some good does. things for them, he does a great job. You know, he can run the fl- run the floor. It's, it's, yeah, and it's okay if they have a Clint Capella type. Mix it up a little bit, you know, so that it's not all the same and makes gives you a little bit more versatility. Does a great job on the offensive glass. Like I think there are certain things he can do for them that can help them. But it's 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 going to be interesting. So I just want to give him the 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 time to to spread it out and let's see how it how it looks because we just just haven't seen enough of them. I, I think I'm, I wouldn't be as harsh on him if we didn't have the sample from his rookie year when they were kind of similar. Everything goes to shit when he's on the floor, kind of. Kind of. He, stuff. It's a sh- it's a um, shame with him. You mentioned the name. He, he just didn't get any on court development time, right? Like, and we know. I mean, Mo has been as long as I've known him say, saying this, but guys get better by actually playing in NBA games and, you know, practicing just, it's going to help you, but it, it's only going to help you so much. So, I mean, they've got to find a way to carve out eight minutes for him, at least the first half of the season. Like you have to try it. No, I, that, that, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I just, I, I think that it's actually like, it's been so problematic that it's kind of hurt Jordan Poole. It's hurt Kaminga. It's hurt Moody. I, I've loved what I've seen from Moody so far this year. Um, uh, so, but, but being in those lineups where it's like, you're, you're probably not giving him the best spot to develop. And you're also kind of a little bit throwing an anchor around those other guys who you also kind of have to, to bring along and evaluate. And so maybe switching it up a little bit and trying to, they've tried to get him some more, you know, reps with, with, you know, Curry lineups. And, and those just haven't gone especially well either. Small sample, but it's it's a continuation of what we saw as rookie year. <laughs> let's let's go on to the next one. Um, are you guys spooked that the Mavericks are putting so much offensive burden on Luca? <laughs> this was supposed to change. We were supposed to see more playmaking. I think Christian Wood has been fantastic. Spencer Dinwiddie was supposed to take on some of the playmaking load, and he has in second units. But when Luca's out there, it's all Luca all the time. And I'm worried about it. But are you guys spooked by this, or is this going to be spooky for the rest of the league? Because Luca's just that good. I I'm spooked. This is too much on Luca. And this is, you know, they're playing the same way they played last year for the most part. You saw it in the game. What was the game? Who did they just play that they lost to on that? Uh, the Pelicans. He, yeah. he 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 gets them going on offense. He subs out, and everything falls apart on offense. They can't get a good look. 
Dinwiddie had a flash last season. I'm not sure that's something that can continue. We've said a lot. Maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. can can make up for the loss of Jalen Brunson to a degree, or they can kind of cobble enough together and 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 make up for that in aggregate. But it's not. They're they're just not getting it. And as good as Christian Wood has been off the bench, it does. He's not good when it's just him out there by himself without Luca, because Luca just creates so much for everybody and it's been our problem like the stuff i liked last year when he was starting off ball and then coming to it in actions and things like that we're not seeing a lot of that because they don't have the guys to be able to do that that's it's it's a very big issue i am definitely spooked by this because you're gonna wear him down at the, at the end of the day it doesn't matter how young he is whatever you're just gonna wear him down that's too much i got a stat shocking let's go yeah uh so on NBA.com, you can see how many, how often a guy shoots based on touch time. And a reasonable proxy, since the definition of an assist should, is usually a guy has the ball for fewer than two dribbles and fewer than two seconds, is, is kind of a decent definition of, of an assisted shot. So you look at the reverse of that, shots with more than two seconds of touch time, you can say is self-created attempts. Um, so far this year, Luca is taking about 33 and a half self-created attempts per hundred. The highest season recorded since 2013 when these stats started being taken was James Harden uh, in, I believe, 20 – in his last full season in Houston, I believe, was at like 29 and a half. Now, as you guys have said, we have been concerned before about that being too much of a burden, Luka wearing down late in games, late in series. Yes, he came into the season in better shape. But they're still going to run him into the ground over the course of a game, over the course of a season. And they just it's I just don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, I, mean, I tend to agree. I, I think that if your if your goal is to get back to the Western Conference finals, this is not this is not the path. I, I think that that's pretty clear. All right. Moving on, guys. Should the Denver Nuggets be spooked? by some of their bad losses to start the season, or is this team going to round into form and be spooky? I always find a way to get to it. I got to, you know. It's just okay, Dave. Uh, yeah. Is is Utah a bad loss? Are we, are we I don't like, think so. on opening night, we're like, oh, no, you know, oh, they've lost it. Now, uh, you know, with, with another week behind us, you're like, okay, well, that okay. Utah's going to win some games I'm, this year, so it's not a, not a terrible loss. I'm going to fight you on that, Seth. I think it is. And, and, and the reason why is, isn't because – how good Utah is they got blown out they got blown out in that game and that's and that's something where I'm a team again we look at with championship expectations you can lose on opening night but don't get blown out and this is a team even with the competent players that they have you should win even on the road even in Utah like that's a game Denver should have won I'm not going to give them a pass on that because Utah's playing really well right now and on a on a on, on a good run even with Utah playing well they should beat them I think the the thing that scared me a lot was the Blazers' loss. Had a good lead and blew it and got completely run off the court by Anthony Simons. And I think that's something that's that's worrisome. You got to be a bit concerned there with that. And I I think in the long run, they're going to be spooky more than spooked. I think they'll find a flow. I think working Jamal Murray back is, is going to take a little time. Michael Porter Jr., I know they're resting him some nights, but when he's on the court, he's been scoring a ton defense, eh. but like still we're in that process of, of things. I think in the long run, this team will be fine, but I am a little bit spooked by opening night still. 
I will say this. I'm not sure what the hell anybody was supposed to do with Anthony Simons when he was that hot. I mean, the, that guy, a whole nother level of flipping the switch. I mean, I, I've just never seen a guy be able to do it like that. So um, I, I'm not as I'm not as worried about Denver. I, I trust Jokic. I, I think that Jokic is going to find a way to figure it out. Jamal Murray. Coming along slowly, we all knew he was going to be bad, including, you know, like Jokic even saying out loud, oh, yeah, we know he's going to be bad for a while. We just have to deal with it. And I think that uh, when you have those sort of vibes right around your team, you can you can survive a we're not even going to call it a mediocre start. It's just a start. You know, they, they lost to Portland. They lost to Utah. Let's see what they look like, you know, 20 games or so. I, I bet that they look much better uh, by the time we get there. Now, a team that I really... There's three and two. Yeah. A team I've kind of... I'm cooling on, guys. I, I've been spooked by their early season performance. The Los Angeles Clippers offense has been uninspiring. Are you guys spooked? Or or when Kawhi is healthy, is this team going to be spooky again? I'm more spooked by the premise of your question. In that when this team is healthy, I mean, isn't that an if, not a win? It's an if, right? It, it can they get everyone on the court? It's no, but here's the thing: even when they do, I'm spooked by their offense. There is no offense. It's one on one, and then one on one, and then one on one, and then one on one. And I don't need a Marcus Morris one on one play. I don't need to see that stuff. Like I'm spooked by their offense. In that sense of like, there's no, listen, Kawhi Leonard, yeah, he should go one-on-one. Paul George, yeah, when he gets the opportunity, he should go one-on-one. Everybody else, there's no even like action to get to the one-on-one. It's literally my turn, your turn, his turn, their turn, that guy's turn, the the ball boy's turn. It's literally just taking turns over and over again. The only guy who doesn't get a turn is Ivisa Zubac. He's got to go get it off of an offensive rebound. In general, I just think they got to find more, more flow offensively as they get going in, in these things. Cause that's going to go, that's, that's how they're going to win in the playoffs. They have the talent to do that, but it's really kind of just disheartening when I watch them, even when Kawhi's not in the game, but it's all these guys going one-on-one. There's no real action flow set up and things like that, that, that I'm watching. I'll go like, man, in the playoffs, this team's going to sputter again. We just didn't anticipate them having this level. And again, it's four games. I understand, but this is the second worst offense in the league so far. I mean, the only worst offense is the Lakers and the Lakers just don't have a single player that can shoot. Like we know what their problem is with the Clippers. They have talent. This is plain and simple to me, Seth. This is a, how are you using your talent? Not do you have the talent? I I don't think, I think I agree with Mo. I, I think that not running an offense is a bad idea. I don't disagree with any of that. I think that, for me at least, I think that that Ty Lue has earned enough benefit of the doubt that I have some faith that they'll. I don't think they're they're just by nature of both the players they have and the fact that there's going to be ins and outs on a night on a night to basis in terms of availability. They're never going to be a high continuity like beautiful game team, but I think they'll get to a functional spot. And a, a spot good enough where the talents can can come to the fore. That's I. I, I feel like the the combination of players and coaches have 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 earned at least that much sort of faith in, in in letting it play out a little bit longer before I get actually worried. 
beyond i mean if we assume away the that the health stuff okay but what is their offense like do they have can you tell me what it looks like when the clippers generate a system bucket no they don't they don't have yeah. a system exactly that's it and so I, I think that, you know, this is one of those things that that good teams always have to fall back on. And it's something that we like we ripped the Celtics when they got away from, you know, the late games, they get away from their system. It's great to have guys who can ISO and get you a bucket. But like we know it's well, an inefficient way to, to do your offense. Well, I mean, is it? I don't know. I see when you say system bucket, I'm kind of thinking, okay, they run a pin down and a guy curls and the help comes off and they hit the other guy on a cut and he lays it in. Like they're not going to get that. But what they're going to get is John Walls being guarded by the third best defender and he blows by him and dumps off to Zubats for a, for a dunk. Like they'll get those. They'll get like their, their, their system is their talent. Um, and I think they'll get to a, I, I think what I'm saying is they'll get to a spot where those kind of things, those, those easy dump offs for Zubats, the the open threes for a, a Covington or whoever else will be there because their talent is creating it. That's fine when it's those guys, but when it's the other guys that are taking those shots or the other guys trying to create it, when it's Marcus Morris trying to do it, you know, when it's Reggie Jackson, who granted had a hell of a run in the playoffs when they made it to the conference finals, like it's not an it's not enough. Like there's a for me, it's I've seen this team way more than anybody. And I, what I mean by it is I've seen this iteration of this team several years now for the Clippers where there hasn't really been an offense in, 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 in place. And that was from doc. And that was with, with Ty Lue. And I think like, this is at a certain point, you got to put something in there. Just, just have sets, run actions, run some elbow game, like just simple, simple stuff so that it's not all that pressure on John Wall beating his guy. It's not all that pressure on Kawhi beating the double team or Paul George. Like, make it make the game easy. Because in crunch time, I want the Kawhi one-on-one in the post. I want Paul George to go at his guy. But, like, in the, in the, the run-up to it, in the first three quarters, I want to see you get some stuff going and some flow and some action. I don't see that. And that's what I'm talking about in their offense. And it doesn't matter who's in and out of the game. Even when they have the guys that shouldn't be ISO guys in the game, they're still running isolation stuff. That's a problem. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I'm. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I, I mean, Mo, you and I have been having this conversation now for a couple of years. I, I would love to just see, like, what does it look like with Kawhi Leonard up, you know, like the elbow, you know, uh, as a facilitator? Can you run? Can you run split actions off Kawhi? And maybe, you know, if nothing else, set him up for a, an easier one-on-one, maybe. I, I, I just don't know. Um, I, I do think that there is a solution there, and usually it's uh, some sort of a formal offense. But, you know, what do I know? Uh, finally, guys, the Portland Trailblazers have really surprised us. Um, maybe not Zach Harper. Shout out to Zach, the only guy who saw this coming. They're 4-1 and one right now. I don't really know how they're doing it outside of Damian Lillard being ridiculous. Is this team spooky or are they going to get spooked? I'm on the fence. I think they're, I think they're going to get spooked. Um, look, uh, bad news already. Dame got a calf strain in, in, in their, in their last game against Miami. So that sucks. But even with Dame healthy, like they got a tough stretch here for me to turn into a believer. This is what they got to do, but they got, in November, they have a six-game road trip, a back-to-back against Phoenix, 
in Phoenix, Miami, Charlotte, that should be a win, Charlotte, New Orleans, and Dallas. That's a tough road trip. I want to see how they pan out in that before that going, because I think they're going to come down to earth here a little bit. They got a lot of talent. They, I like the moves that they made. Shaden Sharp has looked really good as a rookie coming in. I, I obviously didn't know much about him coming into it, and he's and he's looked pretty sharp. But I just don't buy this team, and I don't buy this team's defensive scheme when they're constantly switching everything. Because you the, can't, you know, you can't do that. It's not this is the not game a against the Lakers. Game. They just the game against the Nurkic Lakers. LeBron. It was. It made no sense to me, and, and I think that the thing holding. I think coaching is the thing that's going to hold them back here. Like I don't know that they're not like a super talented team, but they could be better with better coaching. And, and you know, any any defensive scheme that winds up with Nurkic on an island with LeBron on James purpose. at less than thirty seconds left on the uh, in the game. Um, that's a bad scheme, no matter what. It's not even that. On that play where LeBron blows by him for uh, the 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 dunk, I think, to tie it. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have, you have Jeremy Grant guarding the inbounder. Why did you get Jeremy Grant? Right? Like, you, you, you honestly, like, I just don't understand it. You had Justice Winslow guarding LeBron, and you're going to run, concede a switch immediately with, with putting him on Nurkic. Like, why is Grant, guarding Austin Reeves on the inbound. That's where Nurkic should have been. Hide Nurkic, put him on the inbounder and let and 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 let Grant and and Winslow switch. Put Grant on Davis so that when that screen comes, it's your best defender on on LeBron. It just didn't it doesn't make sense, but like that game should have been a loss if it wasn't for Russell Westbrook's terrible shot. And and, and if it wasn't for that and Damian Lillard just being able to hit shots that nobody else can. Yeah, but I mean, like, but that game should have been a loss. Just in that, just on that alone, it's it's all of that stuff there. So it's like I'm not a, I'm not a true believer in this team yet. They barely beat Phoenix in an overtime game. Jock Londale misses a, a putback off of a free throw that would have tied the game and sent it to double overtime. Like you're 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 right in that mix. So I, I easily this team could be two and three or three and two. So I'm not I'm just not going to jump in. All, all up and down going like this team's it now if they kick ass in that road trip all right i feel like we're going in a little too hard on portland specifically on something that annoys us about a lot of teams yeah it's everybody, everybody yeah like you have the you get you get a wing stopper and then like you let lebron say no i don't want to go against him it's like oh, okay well lebron doesn't want to play against him so but 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 but, but the one thing seth the one thing about that seth is they didn't even give LeBron the chance to make the decision. LeBron, what's your decision? Um, I missed ball, man. It's, it's very tough. Um, I missed ball. I'm gonna take my challenge to South Beach and join uh, the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. They put him all, completely out of that action, right? And that was the softest switch. I, I can't believe. Rajon Rondo wasn't involved in how soft that switch was. I mean, it, it was like, a, oh, okay, we'll switch. I mean, it, there was no resistance on this. There was nothing. It, this, we got to get rid of the lazy switching. The, the lazy switching's got to go. That, that's it. You need to start a campaign. That's a nerd. Mo, you got to start. Yeah, your your one more thing needs to be the, the soft switch. I've done it, it many times. Away. I can't keep doing the same one more thing over lazy and over again. Lazy switching and passing uh, crash charges. That's it. Uh, well, as we as we wrap up, you guys got anything else? 
I think we kind of covered everything. Um, that's going to do it for... The, oh, go ahead, Mom. One thing we should be clear. It is just four games into the season. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, please, don't listen to this at game 60 and say, wow, you guys were super wrong. Yeah, of course we were wrong. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show, folks. Thank you guys for listening. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. This has been Nerder. Oh, no, wait. She wrote on the Athletic NBA show. Yeah, there, there are there are no patches on the elbows of, of this jacket, thanks.